Man, are we gonna be late. <laughs> Hello there, welcome in. I'm unprepared. 7 o'clock on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Hello, America. How you doing? Uh, oh, look, Jay Sheldon shared the stream. Good for you, Jay. Thank you. Be sure you follow Jay's advice. Be like Jay. Uh, 2 o'clock in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. Hello, India. We love you. Uh, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Not that that matters, because I never wear pants. And you can't see anyway, so who cares? Thank you for dropping by. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We're live on four different platforms at the same time, simulcasting on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch.tv, and the amazing folks at Rumble.com. It is the censorship-free platform where you can do what you want and say what you want, and you don't get any strikes or hits like you do. I mean, you know, rules apply, of course. You can't be an idiot. You can't be a you know, violent uh, agitator. But beyond that, you're free to have whatever opinion you want to have at rumble.com, and we really appreciate that. Thank you, Rumble. And thanks to our audience over there. We really do appreciate it. If you don't have an account, it's free. Just go to rumble.com, sign up, and while you're there, check out that logo. Look for Jay Sheldon on rumble.com, and uh, you'll see all our shows there. Luna Amethyst, welcome back. Hello, Luna. Good to see you uh, popping in on the show here. And uh, yeah, rumble.com, thank you. But the one thing I want to talk about right off the bat tonight, before we get to Miko and everything else, and Dark Matter, by the way, we're going to, it's a little short segment about Dark Matter, but it's really cool. I am almost at 700 downloads on my podcast. The podcast is what you're listening to right now. It is the audio version of our video live stream, three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. And we just take the audio out, we sweeten it up a little bit, and we send it out as a podcast. And amazingly, truly amazing, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, thank you. We're, we have almost 700 downloads per week, which is, I know, it's not millions, it's not even thousands. But for this little show, it's incredible. And I'm really pushing to try and get up to 1,000 if we can. It's only 300-something, 300 and a low number away from 1,000 downloads a week. And if we could do that, it would be amazing. So please take a minute. I know a lot of you are watching on the live stream, and you'll be watching this video later. But if you could go to whatever podcast source you use, Spotify, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts is a big a big audience for us there on Apple. Uh, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7 in India. Uh, lots, almost every podcast platform you can imagine, we are there. All you have to do is type in either Jay Sheldon, my name, or I'm Not Wearing Pants. Look for this logo, or I'm Not Wearing Pants logo, and that's the show. Just click on the subscribe button, add it to your weekly podcasts, and that's all you need to do, and it's absolutely free. But we're dying to get to 1,000 downloads if we can. I don't want to beg and plead, but I'm begging and pleading. So you, you just knock me 
away. You blow me away. Uh, almost 700 downloads a week. Like I said, I know it's not Joe Rogan numbers, but for this little show, it's fantastic. And thank you guys for all those downloads. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. If we could possibly get to a thousand, that would just make my year. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, what do we got? I know what we got. We got this little girl. Miko update. Yeah, yes. Miko update. And Miko is doing great. Uh, no problems. She's been eating well. She had two walks today. And a matter of fact, this video... Uh, which I took uh, a couple of yesterday, I guess. Uh, she was getting a very nice brushing. Look how much older she looks from her puppy days. She's over two now. Yeah, um, that is... Oh, thank you for the congrats, M uh, Luna. Thank you. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to our podcast. Whatever platform, doesn't matter. But there she is getting a brush. She's almost at that shedding season, so we're going to have another snowfall in Malaysia in my house pretty soon. And my industrial strength vacuum cleaner is uh, going to get a workout. Yes, so comfy is right. She, <laughs> she loves to be pampered, and that's exactly what she's getting right now is a good, a good pampering. So she's doing really well. Thanks for all of you who ask, and uh, yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. All right. We promised you some dark matter. We got dark matter. This is from physics-astronomy.com. Actually, physics-astronomy.com. Luna says, please tell her hi for me. I will indeed tell her hi for you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll give her a pet and a scratch behind the ears and let her know it's from Luna Amethyst. <laughs> All right. Believe it or not, we all know and we've heard of dark matter. If you're a Star Trek fan, you really know about dark matter. But anyway, this is real. Scientists have captured the first ever image of dark matter. Yeah, really. The theory that gave rise to the concept of dark matter rose out of necessity. Our cosmos should not be able to exist and function as it does based on the stuff we can see. This visible matter couldn't provide the gravity required to keep our galaxies locked together. Dark matter filaments bridge the space in between galaxies. Now, that's kind of easy to understand you know the space in between our galaxy which is light matter which is matter matter we can see but dark matter that we apparently cannot see has to exist to bridge the space what is in the space between the galaxies um, this is a false color map and the locations of the bright galaxies are shown in the white regions right here you can see there and there and uh, the presence of a dark matter filament which bridges the galaxies is shown in red. You see there's a little purple, blue outline, but there is a red kind of... Again, if you're listening on the podcast, check out the link which is in our description down below on the podcast. You can check out this article. But that is the first ever image 
of dark matter. How cool is that? It's a theory proposed by scientists to account for the disparity. They say the cosmos must include some kind of substance that we can't see, uh, one that doesn't absorb or reflect or even emit light, genuinely dark matter, which has to account for more than a quarter of all the matter in the universe for our scientific theories to be correct. Still, it's always been unclear with dark matter if it's comprised, uh, what it's comprised of, and discovering proof of something that can't be seen, obviously, is a little difficult. Uh, Luna says, my first thought with dark matter is Kirby. <laughs> okay. Anyway, read the whole article because it's absolutely fascinating, and no, you don't have to be a scientist to understand it. It's fairly simply written. Even an old man like me can pick up a few pointers out of it, but it's very, very cool. And yes, indeed, that scanning image, the red image, the red parts of this image here that you see is apparently dark matter, the first ever image of dark matter. How cool is that? Mm. Coffee break time. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to pick up some Miko merchandise, which is our show merchandise. It's got our logo on it. It's got Miko on it. We've got, well, obviously coffee cups, t-shirts, hats, ball caps, hoodies, uh, mouse pads, stickers, notebooks, you name it, all kinds. Check it out. It's the first link in our description down below our show notes. Uh, that'll take you right to the page with all of our Miko merch on it. And everything features Miko. One item, actually, uh, one of the ball caps is only Miko without our show logo. Because she insisted that if I was going to use her to market my show, she wanted one item that was just hers without the show. So you can actually ignore the show and you can just buy a Miko hat. <laughs> All right, check it out. It's in the link in our, uh, in our show notes. Hey, you think your car is secure? Well, guess what? It may not be as secure as you think, especially if you have one of those keyless entry systems, you know, where you have the key fob. And it doesn't actually have a key. It's just if it's within proximity of the car, then you can open the car and start the car. Uh, we have a, a, a Myvi, a, a new, fairly new Myvi, just a few years old. And it has that system. I'll tell you what, this Myvi is amazing. It's like a robo-car. The amount of high-tech crap that's in this car for a little Myvi is amazing. It's got built-in, like, smart you know, the, the toll thing, the smart lane, it, it, that's built in. You just stick your touch and go in the thing that's built to the car. You don't buy it separately. It's part of the car. Uh, the electronics, built-in GPS, not that reliable, but it's in there. Uh, it's incredible. Anyway, it also has this keyless entry system. A lot of cars these days do. Well, believe it or not, you need to watch yourself because it ain't that difficult to hack those systems. Check this out. There is a link in our show notes if you want to watch the video specifically. We'll play it for you now without the sound. But uh, a Malaysian car using keyless entry gets stolen in less than a minute in Shah Alam. It is possible. Is it possible, World Above asks, for a keyless entry system to be hacked? Well, check this out. Here's the video. Watch this guy right here and this pickup truck. 
This truck is new enough that it has one of these keyless entry systems. He's fumbling around with something, putting on some gloves, goes up, opens the door, gets in the car, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. There you go. And look at that. He's got the car started. He got into the car, got it started. This is not his car. He's driving away, stealing this pickup truck. And away he goes. Gone. Amazing. Uh, What they believe is that they are using some sort of frequency to hack the system on these keyless entries. And once you have that frequency and the car or truck acknowledges it, You can open the door, you can hit the button and start the car, and away you go. Goodbye, car. So I, yes, scary. Somebody named Stark Makoto here said, scary. You're exactly right, Stark. Uh, Very scary. If uh, If you have one of these systems, I don't know what to tell you. There is no answer in the article. Check it out. It's from World of Buzz. But um, yeah. Damn scary. There's got to be some way or somebody needs to develop some way of, uh, of protecting our vehicles. Dang. Amazing. All right. This is a bunch of junk we got thrown in. It's a mishmash. Nothing is connected to anything. I can't do any cute segues tonight. So, But uh, Kunito, Kunito Imai, who is uh, my Japanese friend, posted this. Uh, it's from a site called Historic Photographs. And you've got to check this out. It is so cool. It's from 1944. These days, when law enforcement wants to run a fingerprint, they scan the fingerprints in. It goes into a computer that looks through the millions and millions of fingerprints, and it can return a match in a very short amount of time. Likely, I don't know these days. I've been out of law enforcement for 20 over years, but... An hour? Maybe less? Take a look at how they used to identify fingerprints in 1944. Check this out. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, sorry it's a visual, but the link to this picture is in our show notes tonight if you want to check it. This is the FBI fingerprint files from 1944. Look at that rows and one two three four five six i can't even see them all probably ten and one two three four five at least five across this is insane and that's how they would store and likely retrieve fingerprints can you imagine trying to make a match with this where would you even begin Look at that. And all of that information today, probably times a million, can be fit on a small little hard drive. What took up, that looks like a a stadium. (laughs) That is amazing. I said, thank you, Kunito. It's a brilliant, brilliant shot. I saw that I had to share it tonight. It is so cool. All right. What else have we got? Oh. <clears throat> Before we get on to our, our book tonight, we will be continuing on with Tom Sawyer. We're on chapter 30 
which is a huge chapter, by the way. It's it's uh, uh, probably going to be a three-parter. But uh, there's about 35 chapters total in this book. So we're, we're nearing the end. We're getting there. But chapter 30 is huge. Get ready for it. All right. We've got a couple of good news stories. We always love to do the good news stories. And this one comes again from the great folks at World of Buzz. If you're not signed up for World of Buzz, you really should. They don't pay me. I use a lot of their stuff on the show because they just do the most fascinating articles. And uh, we love you, World of Buzz. Thank you. Uh, but these guys were on a fishing trip and they had a drone. And when they sent that drone up in the air, they got a rather unexpected surprise. They caught a group of wild elephants. Look at this. There is video. I'll play it coming up in a minute. Again, on the podcast, just check out the link in our show notes, our description down below. Um, four friends on a fishing trip. They took their drone with them to find the best fishing spots. Well, while flying their drone, they caught glimpses of a herd of elephants making their way through a clearing. Witnessing them walk amongst the remnants of old palm oil trees, netizens who viewed the video were touched by the end message these four men had to the government, which was, you'll see it in the video, it says, please stop illegal logging. Let's save these animals' lives. And check out this video. There goes the drone from the fishermen, and they're headed up. There you go, a little aerial shot there. And as the drone scans around, you'll see another crossfade here. And there you go. Take a look. Wow, that is amazing. We have wild elephants in Malaysia. If you're listening in other parts of the world, uh, yes, indeed we do. We have uh, wild herds of elephants. Sadly, they are diminishing because the idiots that do this un allegedly regulated, but, you know, hey, let's call it what it is. It's unregulated logging. There you go. Please stop illegal logging. Look at this herd of elephants to save animal life. That is amazing. Wow. Look at that. Please, please, I can't encourage you enough. Let's give credit to the uh, folks here. Cap cut. Um, yeah, I, I can't encourage you enough to go check out that video. Give them a like and a share and uh, let people know. Um, that's absolutely incredible. And a lot of folks were, uh, were chiming in saying, this has happened for years. We can clearly witness the aftermath of illegal logging through huge floods that occur and a loss of animal habitat. Illegal logging will continue, another person said, so long as there are people who continue to receive bribes and allow such activities to take place. As beautiful as the footage is, the article continues from World of Buzz, this is the reality that most Malaysians are made to live with. And there you go. There, once again, is that amazing shot from the drone of the herd of wild elephants I said before, it's so cool because we have wild monkeys here and they're everywhere. And I still, I've always loved monkeys. I've been fascinated by them. And uh, to live in a country where monkeys just run wild, it's to me, it's still one of the most amazing things. But in addition to that, I live in a country where wild elephants still run free. Sadly, not as many, and it is getting smaller and smaller. 
In fact, we uh, we also have a population of tigers here in Malaysia, and that population is seriously endangered. We've covered some of that before on our show. Please do what you can. I know it's a tough fight, but uh, because you know there's money involved and money talks and tigers, tigers and elephants and monkeys walk. Sadly, we are guests on their land, and I hope you remember that. All right, and got one more good news story. This comes to us, uh, let's see, oh no, two, two stories. This is amazing. I'm going to give you a warning. If snakes bother you, you might want to look away. I know there's some people who are so squeamish about snakes, they can't even look at a video or a picture. This, however, you may want to hang tight because this, I, I'm not a fan of snakes. Strangely enough, the big ones, they don't scare me so much. It's those medium and little-sized ones that really bug the hell out of me. But this, this is amazing. This is a rainbow python. I've heard of these, but I have never seen one. It's a very short little video. It's only about 30 seconds. But if you're listening on the podcast, please check out the link in our show notes, our description down below. Well worth your time, even if you have a thing about snakes this is beyond amazing take a look at that that is real look at the color it's iridescent it's called a rainbow python and it's light reflecting on the scales look at that look at that that is absolutely beautiful wow the iridescent rainbow python Check that out. Wow. Oh, man. That is absolutely incredible. Wow. Please do. It's well worth your time. Check out the link in our show notes on that video. Like I said, even if snakes aren't a thing for you, if you're a little afraid of them, worth your time to see this because this is beyond beautiful. Wow. All right. And finally... Uh, finally, one good piece of uh, news and an amazing story comes to us out of Thailand and comes to us, again, from the good folks at World of Buzz. <laughs> Thanks, World of Buzz. Um, a Thai restaurant owner, this story kind of went viral. It's been posted on a whole bunch of different sites, but we, we picked this one from World of Buzz to share it with you. Uh, a kind Thai restaurant owner treats poor father and daughter duo to a birthday cake and a birthday meal. Check this out. This is amazing. They saw the father and daughter leaving the shop very happy. And the Thai restaurant employee said, we are very happy too. Here's the story. A father would do almost anything for their daughters, including starving themselves so their child can have a decent meal. And that was almost the case for one time, man, until restaurant staff decided to step in. A Shabu Shabu restaurant owner, Panumas B. Sroitong, took to her Facebook profile to share how a father-daughter duo had come into her restaurant to celebrate the little girl's birthday. Well, they realized the father couldn't afford a meal for both of them, so he told his daughter to eat, while he went and waited outside. The little girl, however, 
refused to eat without her father. And so they both decided to leave. Well, thankfully, the restaurant staff informed the owner, Panumas, of the incident as the father-daughter duo walked out, and she immediately stopped them and offered them complimentary meals. When the staff ran to me, she says, I told the father and daughter, sit and eat. And while eating, we kept peeking at them. The father kept feeding his young girl, blowing the heat from the food for the child and feeding her the entire time. She wrote, the dad is so cute. On top of the already amazing act of kindness, this random act, uh, Panumas also instructed her staff to go purchase a birthday cake for the little girl, leaving not just the father Dotto in tears, but also the staff members. The staff burst into tears. We saw the father and daughter leaving the shop happily, and we're very happy to. And uh, the image here, uh, the duo leaving the store with huge smiles on their faces. We're so happy the father-daughter got the birthday celebration they needed and that they managed to encounter kind-hearted people who made it happen for them. A huge tip of the hat and kudos to Panumas and her staff for brightening up everyone's day with their random act of kindness. That is fantastic. Wow, absolutely amazing. And uh, again, it's a Shabu Shabu restaurant. It doesn't say where. I believe it might be Bangkok. But uh, if you're ever in Bangkok, look up this restaurant and give them some business because they are amazingly good people. That is such a heartwarming story. We love to share those, uh, those kind of stories with you. Fantastic. All right. Good job, Thai folks. By the way, I had Thai food tonight. <laughs> Did I tell you? Oh, yeah. Again, we went back to Mukata. And uh, as a matter of fact, let me see. I didn't plan on sharing this tonight, but uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is the post? There you go. I think we ordered too much food, though. Here, let me pop this on screen quickly. This was some amazing spicy sour sotong squid uh, dish. It was almost like a tom yum, but not. Uh, but oh man, it was so good. And uh, pandan chicken, which is chicken wrapped in pandan leaves, so you get that flavor. That was incredible. It's quite common. But the way they do it is amazing. Uh, this was some kailan, some green vegetables with salted fish, which is nice. Uh, again, I had to order the uh, uh, pork, whatever they're called, some barbecued pork bellies or something. Oh, my God. Absolutely amazing. Am I making you hungry yet? And, of course, no Thai food would be complete without some somtom. So, yeah, we had somtom with some great shrimps. and uh, And actually... This was spicier, this, uh, this squid dish. And by the way, that is squid, not, not pig butts. Um, there's a, uh, yeah, you'll know what I mean if you listen to our last show. Um, anyway, the som tom here normally would be the spiciest thing on the menu. But this, wow, this kicked butts and took names. I will likely be paying for this tomorrow, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's time. It's time for our book. I know. We read classic books on this show. And uh, 
Where is it? Where is my... There we go. All right. We're doing Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer, written by the amazing Mark Twain. And uh, one of the things we always do is to give you a warning before we start reading books that contain things that might offend you if, you know, you're a snowflake. This was written in 1876 by Mark Twain. Some of the words in this book, including the N-word, at the time, in 1876, were perfectly acceptable to use. Nowadays, of course, they are not. They are socially unacceptable and for good reasons. However, we are staying true to the original book, and so when words here come up, or references... Uh, that are disparagingly to certain races, we're reading it the way it was written back in 1876. So if that sort of thing offends you, you may want to find something else to do for the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes. But having said that, it's time to move up and onward to chapter 30. Yeah, and I warned you, this is a long chapter. I have a feeling I'm going to cut this up into maybe even three parts. So chapter 30... In the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. As the earliest suspicion of dawn appeared on Sunday morning, Huck came groping up the hill and rapped gently at the old Welshman's door. The inmates were asleep, but it was a sleep that was set on a hair trigger on account of the exciting episode of the night. A call came from a window. Who's there? Huck's scared voice answered in a low tone. Please let me in. It's only Huck Finn. It's a name that can open this door day or night, lad, and welcome. Well, these were strange words to the vagabond boy's ears and the pleasantest he had ever heard. He could not recollect that the closing word had ever been applied in this case before. The door was quickly unlocked and he entered. Huck was given a seat, and the old man and his brace of tall sons speedily dressed themselves. Now, my boy, I hope you're good and hungry, because breakfast will be ready as soon as the sun's up. We'll have a piping hot one, too. You make yourself easy about that. I and the boys hope you'd turn up and stop here last night. Oh, I was awful scared, said Huck, and I run. I took out when the pistols went off, and I didn't stop for three miles. I come now because I wanted to know about it. You know, I, I come because daylight, I didn't want to run across them devils, even if they was dead. Well, poor chap, you look as if you'd had a hard night of it. But there's a bed here for you when you've had your breakfast. No, they ain't dead, lad. We're sorry enough for that. You see, we knew right where to put our hands on them. By your description. So we crept along on tiptoe till we got within 15 feet of them. I found I was going to sneeze. It was the meanest kind of luck. I tried to keep it back, but no use. T'was bound to come, and it did come. I was in the lead with my pistol raised, and when the sneeze started, those scoundrels are rustling to get out of the path. I sung out, Fire, boys! blazed away at the place where the rustling was. So did the boys, but they was often jiffy, those villains. We after them down into the woods. I judge we never touched them. They fired a shot apiece as they started, but their bullets whizzed by and didn't do us any harm. As soon as we lost the sound of their feet, 
we quit chasing. Went down, stirred up the constables. They got a posse together, went off to guard the river bank, and as soon as it's the light, the sheriff and a gang are going to beat up the woods. My boys will be there with them presently. I wish we had some sort of description of those rascals. It would help a good deal. But could you see what they were like in the dark, I suppose? Oh, yes. I saw them downtown and followed them. Splendid. Describe them. Des describe them, boy. Well, one's the old deaf and dumb Spaniard that's been around here once or twice, and t'other's a mean-looking, ragged... That's enough, boy. We know the men. Happened on them in the woods, back of the widows one day, and they slunk away. Off with you, boys. Tell the sheriff. Get your breakfast tomorrow morning. Well, the Welshman's sons departed at once. As they were leaving the room, Huck sprang up and exclaimed, Oh, please don't tell anybody it was me that blowed on them. Oh, please. All right, if you say it, Huck, but you ought to have the credit of what you did. Oh, no, 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 please don't tell. When the young men were gone, the old Welshman said, They won't tell, and I won't. But why don't you want it to be known? Huck would not explain, further than to say that he already knew too much about one of those men, and would not have the man know that he knew anything against him for the whole world. He would be killed for knowing it sure. The old man promised secrecy, secrecy once more, and said, How did you come to follow these fellas, lad? Where were they looking suspicious? Huck was silent while he framed a duly cautious reply. And then he said, Well, you see, I'm kind of a hard lot. At least everybody says so, and I don't see nothing again it. Sometimes I can't sleep much on account of thinking about it and sort of trying to strike out a new way of doing. That was the way of it last night. I couldn't sleep, and so I come along up street about midnight, all turning it over, and when I got to that old shackly brick store by the Temperance Tavern, I backed up again a wall to have another think. Well, just then, along comes these two chaps, slipping along close to me with something under their arm, and I'd reckon they'd stole it. One was a-smoking, t'other wanted a light. So they stopped right before me, lit the cigars up, and that lit up their faces. And I see the big one was the deaf and dumb Spaniard, by his white whiskers and a patch on his eye. And t'other one was a rusty, raggedy-looking devil. Could you see the rags by the light of the cigars? This staggered Huck for a moment. And then he said, Well... I don't know, but somehow it seems that I did. Then they went on, and you followed them. Yes, that was it. I, I wanted to see what was up. They sneaked along, so I dodged them to the wider style and stood in the dark, heard the ragged one beg for the wider, and the Spaniard swear he'd spile her looks just as I told you. And you're too, what? The deaf and dumb man said all that. Huck had made another 
terrible mistake. He was trying his best to keep the old man from getting the faintest hint of who the Spaniard might be, and yet his tongue seemed determined to get him into trouble in spite of all he could do. He made several efforts to creep out of his scrap, but the old man's eye was upon him, and he made blunder after blunder. Presently, the Welshman said, My boy, don't be afraid of me. I wouldn't hurt a hair on your head for all the world. No, I'd protect you. I'd protect you. The Spaniard is not deaf and dumb. You've let that slip without intending it. You can't cover it up now. You know something about that Spaniard that you want to keep dark. Now, trust me. Tell me what it is, and trust me, you, I won't betray you. Huck looked into the old man's honest eyes a moment, and then bent over and whispered in his ear, Taint a Spaniard, it's Injun Joe. The Welshman almost jumped out of his chair. In a moment, he said, It's all plain enough now. When you talk about notching ears and slitting noses, I judged that was your embellishment, because white men don't take that sort of revenge. But an engine? Well, that's a different matter altogether. But during breakfast, the talk went on, and in the course of it, the old man said that the last thing which he and his sons had done before going to bed was to get her lantern and examine the stile and its vicinity for marks of blood. They found none, but captured a bulky bundle of... Of what? If the words had been lightning, they could not have leaped with a more sudden stunning from Huck's blanched lips. His eyes were staring wide, his breath suspended, waiting for the answer. The Welshman started, stared in return. Three seconds, five seconds, ten, then replied, of burglar tools. Why, what's the matter with you? Huck sank back, panting gently, but deeply, un utterably grateful. The Welshman eyed him gravely, curiously, and presently said, Yes, burglar tools. That appears to relieve you a good deal. But what did give you that turn? What were you expecting were found? Huck was in a close place. The inquiring eye was upon him. He would have given anything for material for a plausible answer. Nothing suggested itself. The inquiring eye was boring deeper and deeper. A senseless reply offered. There was no time to weigh it. So, at a venture, he uttered it feebly. Sunday school books, maybe? Poor Huck was too distressed to smile. The old man laughed out loud and joyously shook up the details of his anatomy from head to foot 
ended by saying that such a laugh was money in a man's pocket, because it cut down the doctor's bill like everything. And then he added, poor old chap, you're white and jaded. You ain't well a bit. No wonder you're a little flighty and off your balance. But you'll come out of it, uh, rest and sleep, and fetch you out of it all right, I hope. Huck was irritated to think he'd seen been such a goose and betrayed such a suspicious excitement, for he'd dropped the idea that the parcel brought from the tavern was the treasure as soon as he'd heard the talk at the widow's style. He'd only thought it was not the treasure, however. He had not known that it wasn't. And so the suggestion of a captured bundle was too much for his self-possession. But on the whole, he felt glad the little episode had happened, for now he knew beyond all question that that bundle was not THE bundle, and so his mind was at rest and exceedingly comfortable. In fact, everything seemed to be drifting just in the right direction. The treasure must still be in number two. The men would be captured and jailed that day, and he and Tom could seize the gold that night without any trouble or any fear of interruption. And that's where we're going to end the beginning of chapter 30 in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Cool. Wow. More to come on our next stream, which will be on Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Hey, thank you so much for joining me tonight. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, I will remind you, please, we are at almost 700 downloads a week on our podcast, and we love you to pieces. Thank you so, so much. We really would love to get up to a 1,000. So even if you're watching on the video, if you're watching on Rumble or Facebook or YouTube or Twitch.tv, Please go over to your favorite podcast site and search for Jay Sheldon or I'm Not Wearing Pants. Look for that logo right there up in the corner and just click the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. Add it to your podcast and uh, we'll let you know as our numbers grow. We're almost at 700. We'd like to get up to 1,000 as soon as quickly as we can. We really appreciate it. Thank you to all of our podcast listeners and all of our live viewers too. I'll see you again on Wednesday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.